Hello, this is Noah Palafox, and you're listening to the Nonfiction Podcast. I'm here today interviewing African American Ahmad, and basically, we're going to be talking about uh, being raised, born and raised um, as a black person in America. What were the hardships, um, racism effects? Um, are they still prevalent today or not? Um, all those questions will be answered in this interview. So, on call, we have Ahmad. Hel- say hello, Ahmad. All right. So, um, <clears throat> so for first, you know, first things first, we're going to be talking about Ahmad. When, um, where were you exactly born, per se? I uh, was born and raised uh, right here in San Diego, California. Nice. So, uh, native San Diegan. Um, what, what year were you born? Nineteen eighty-two. So you would be typically considered a millennial, right, or someone who is kind of you've been raised in, I guess, the nineties and the um, and the early two thousands, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I am considered uh, in this day and age to be a millennial, although I feel like they called something different when I was growing up. But as of right now, millennial. All right. Uh, so. That's, yeah, really interesting because in my last interview, I interviewed someone who was kind of raised, who was kind of a, a teenager in the early 20s and the 80s, and, um, and so it's, it's, it's refreshing to get a new perspective of someone who is experiencing, um, you know, just living their life in current America. Um, so, yeah, question number one, what was your childhood like growing up in San Diego? with both parents, a single mother, a single father, what was the family structure like? My, uh, as, uh, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, she had three children. She had all of us very far apart. So all three of us definitely have different perspectives on the world because we were born almost 10 years apart between the three of us. Mm. And... So growing up as, you know, obviously um, in a rough lifestyle condition, was, was there any um, kind of figures, uh, father figures, just inspirational people in your life that kind of inspired you um, to, out, to maybe overcome this situation? Was there anybody in your life who was, who was uh, a mentor, I guess you could say? Mm-hmm. I think I definitely... Um, uh, 
know, I think anywhere else that I was, I was I would probably consider it to be very uh, easy for me to get into a lifestyle that was uh, more in that current time. And so uh, teachers spent a lot of time making sure that I wasn't going to go that route. Um, and then I, as a result, now try to give back in that same way. Right. Um, yeah, teachers are definitely one of the the people in our lives that greatly influence us. Um, there's this quote and it said, um, teachers are the greatest public servants of all um, because they do the most, the most public service. I mean, they're really, you know, shaping and, and building people for um, the future and leaders. And so I think that's great that you had um, some of that influence, that good influence to get you out of that condition. Um, yeah. And- I will say this as, I, as we talk about um, race. Um, most teacher or mentor figures, at least in my life, were uh, of opposite race uh, than African American. So a lot of my mentors are people that I consider to be uh, mentors, father figures, or mother figures, uh, interesting enough, are of an opposite race than mm. my own. Right. Um, so that kind of, that also is kind of something that I can say, although I lived in this urban uh, black neighborhood, most people were uh, either uh, Caucasian or Mexican uh, race. Right. Uh, in terms of uh, figures of the gusset. Yeah, that's... Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, that's going to lead to our next question. What um, were race relations like um, in your time? And obviously, you know, during this time, it's not... There's not, um, I guess, as much um of blatant, you know, obviously like the KKK isn't super, super prevalent, even though it, you know, it still exists. Um, as we talked to, um, Russell, the immigrant in growing up, you know, her in the, uh, the eighties and the seventies. And, um, she had a total, you know, interesting perspective on that, but what was, um, I guess you could say race relations like growing up and how did they affect you? I think in my uh, my elementary years, if you will, um, I don't know if I noticed racism uh, from my perspective. I didn't see racism, um, uh, or I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it. Uh, my mother didn't talk about it a lot. She didn't uh, she didn't reflect on it a lot uh, in terms of uh, it being an issue for her, although it was. But she didn't. She didn't relay that to her children. She only wanted her children to see the good in people, the the good in the world. And so my mother focused a lot on that. She still tried to make sure that we were tough because of the environment that we were in. But uh, she didn't really talk about racism uh, with us uh, that much. Mm. Uh, she went a different direction. When I got into my preteens, I want to say maybe eleven or twelve. Um, that might have been right around the same time as kind of the O.J. Simpson, Rodney King, um, uh, those kind of racial 
uh, related uh, issues um, had kind of came up in the world. Um, and uh, I feel like that was my first real taste of watching people pick sides mm. um, and watching um, those sides kind of uh, having a political opinion. Um, and people ultimately, as a result of that, really kind of either dissing themselves or becoming violent or something of that nature because of something that they were so strong about. Mm. Uh, I had never really experienced that until that time. Right. Um, and then when I got into my, uh, also around that time, that was when the gangs of my particular neighborhood or environment were very much trying to recruit um, and, and really using the race card as a way to recruit. Right. Uh, you know, we're black, we have to be over here and fight for our stuff, you know, because I did also live in a neighborhood, particularly City Heights, which has a multitude of different races um, in that, in that uh, community. Right. So there was uh, a lot of gangs trying to divide and conquer uh, in from a racial standpoint. So I think I kind of learned it then as well. By the time I got into my teenager years, um, it wasn't so much about race, so much as it was about class, because I was more, I was on a homeless uh, uh, environment. So it wasn't so much about race, so much as it was about what, what my class status was. Mm whether I was poor or rich, that was all that it really was broken down to. Um, and now that I'm in my 30s, um, I could say that um, probably it's interesting kind of watching history kind of repeat itself over the last couple of years with the presidential debate. Right. Uh, and, and watching that whole thing kind of, you know, kind of happen. And even watching now, friends that I've known for years kind of really distancing themselves based on who they vote for um, and how uh, and how people are terrified on one end and then on another end it's like we want we want change so mm. it's really interesting kind of seeing this all kind of come back up uh, at the age I am now right so um that leads us to our next question. So obviously you've kind of grown up in this metropolitan, um, poorer side of San Diego, um, and you were raised that you know kind of um, not recognizing that racism you know was a was a thing that affected you. But when I guess or if or when would you say um, you was the point that you you know came to the realization that um, maybe this is still around, maybe this, even if it is subtle, um, what was that realization or when was that realization that, um, you know, I guess I am different or I am, um, I have to, um, do things differently in order to continue to survive. When was that, if any, um, that moment? You know, um, it's interesting because, um, most of my life, even going to school, I was always kind of, you know, I, I kind of am in a lot of environments where most of the time I'm the only uh, black or African-American 
in a particular environment. And uh, even uh, even to this day, that statement is, is still true. And every once in a while, um, even in my younger years, um, you kind of saw like a racist joke. Mm. Um, you, didn't really recognize, you didn't know it was a racist joke, you know, depending on the environment that you were in. Um, you, but you knew how it made you feel. And, you didn't, and it didn't make me feel uh, well. It didn't make me feel right. So I feel like even to this day, I was just talking to a friend of mine where um, the other day I, I was in Balboa Park and um, I was walking to my car and somebody, uh, and I got pulled over by the park rangers and just randomly asked questions. Um, and after the questions were over, they had said, I, I said a, uh, a resemblance of somebody that, that they were looking for. But they didn't really give me any information. And mm. I was, you know, so it, even to this day, it still kind of happens. Um, but I think that it's what's interesting for me is a lot of times, on one end, I can catch it very quickly, but on another end, I don't think about it until probably it's done. Mm. And now I find myself around people who defend me when I don't even see it. Mm. So now I'm around a group of people who really love me and go, hey, that was a racist comment on my behalf, even though they're not black. Right. And they fight for me. So it's really interesting because, again, you know, although racism is, exists, um, I probably have chose to go the route of not looking at it as much as I can. I think now I kind of try to uh, incorporate a little bit of humor into it, but it, at the same time, the seriousness of it, I don't know if I've officially um, had to deal with it myself, but I will say um that recently my older brother, who is in Texas, uh, uh, got jumped by the KKK oh, down wow. there after the elections were over. Um, and that's probably as close as I think I've gotten to racism from a family perspective. We had never really dealt with uh, any kind of real hate like that mm. um, until after the elections were over. Right. Um, yeah, I'm very sorry to hear that. That... Um, definitely in the South where, um, you know, the KKK is more prevalent. Um, that is a huge reality. And, um, so I guess my next question is, um, what is your take on the current Black Lives Matter movement? Is it, um, quote unquote, as some people have said, even gone as far as to say it's a terrorist organization or are you more open to the idea? What is your... Uh, stance on the Black Lives Matter movement? Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting talking about history and so forth. Um, there's some elements of the Black Lives Matter movement that, re- that reminds me very much of uh, the Black Power movement um, of the 70s and what you know, of the 60s and 70s in which I was not born. Um, but, you know, there's sometimes that I feel like there, there's that element. 
Um, my personal stance on it is that um, anything that can get people uh, to talk about um, racism, hopefully in a in a positive in a in a way that will make people not positive, but in a way that will make people consider change or look at themselves and say, well, maybe there's something I can do different. Um, I personally don't know if it matters if it's black, white, brown, you know, um, or anything like that. Um, I do see the power of what it does for my for my community as an as African-American. Uh, people are really into it. And I, you know, even the people that I know that were really down about their own base, you know, in terms of what, uh, where they stood on their, on their own subject, um, I've seen a big change in that. Mm. Um, so for me, there's parts of it that is really positive, and then there's parts of it where, like anything, there's a negative connotation to it as well. Mm. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, people being killed by police um, is primarily to me what the Black Lives Movement matter is, has started out to be to me, was, you know, this relationship between our public service and uh, our particular race community. I felt like that's what that really started off to be. And then it just kind of became a montage of other of other issues that are also kind of on the plate. Mm. So I, it still remains to be seen the positive or negative that it can make in the world. But for now, uh, I still kind of see it as somewhat of a positive thing for, for people. Right. And so, so <clears throat> that's, you know, great perspective. I think uh, I'm going to talk about myself personally. Um, being you know, growing up in a kind of uh, whiter suburban area my whole life and going to primarily white schools, um, I've never really experienced racism, partly because I am half white. Um, but for having, you know, somewhat tanner skin, I've never I've never really experienced it either. Um, but I remember growing up in a time and, and my experiences are, are futile compared to um, what some blacks uh and darker skin races have to go through. But I remember a time where um, in second grade, we had like this Apple Valley kind of um, frontier reenactment. And it was kind of like this huge game we had. And, you know, we started, um, we had to like work our way, you know, win games to like get ahead and like the frontier and survive. And, um, and what I thought was interesting was that our and I and I never thought I was different until this moment. You know, I was like I never really clicked that um you know, oh, maybe people see me differently than I see myself cuz when we're all born we all see ourselves as human, but um so our teacher, she grouped us um she I do not know why. She grouped us um cuz since we didn't have any black kids in our in our in our class, she grouped us white and Hispanic. And she put all the Hispanics into one family and um, and then put all the whites in another. And I just thought it was interesting that she decided to do that. And she gave us a, a Hispanic-sounding last name. And, and we 
had to start from the very bottom and we were poor farmers and i and i was thinking you know i was reflecting back on it yeah maybe that may have been um more historically somewhat accurate but i never understood why she did that what was the the goal because when you're a second grader you know we're not we're not really concerned about historical accuracy um and then i think that was the first time it really clicked that oh you know maybe i am different you know we were um and as a kid i was always out in the sun so i was somewhat darker and tanner and um it made me realize you know oh maybe this is like the group that i'm supposed to belong to um we all have black skin i'm not black skin excuse me brown skin or tanner skin and um it was the first time in my life that i kind of um was just like oh you know and so um yeah and so we all experience um if you're you know somewhat ethnic different different things but my biggest um issue is definitely growing up where i'm from a lot of what i hear is you know oh well racism doesn't exist um black lives is really just a terrorist movement um you know if they really want some change they should just you know and then they'll say something that is super ineffective ineffective and um and so I guess my question to you next, Ahmad, is um, wh- how would you respond to someone who who hasn't experienced, um, you know, growing up poor, um, has had um, a higher socioeconomic status, who ha- is primarily white, and who has said, you know, racism doesn't exist, that we're just creating, we're just trying to get rallied up over nothing. How would you respond to someone like that? What would your response be? I haven't personally heard it be said in that way. 
So okay, so one last question on 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 racism, and then we'll just wrap up to um, um, effective change. So I think, in my in my opinion, yeah, sometimes for sure, racism from the fifties to the current two thousand tens, we've made a lot of progress, and <clears throat> my and especially being grown and raised in um, in San Diego, where um, you know it typically is. A little bit um, more, I guess, diverse. Um, we don't really experience it as much as maybe maybe some people in the South and um, other parts of the country. But I think one of the biggest things that kind of um, racism comes crawling back to the center of discussion is 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 the existence of of racial jokes. Somehow we've kind of constructed that race, you know jokes based on race is, is, is funny. But in my personal opinion, Ahmad, I think that kind of leads to more belief of stereotypes, belief that kind of what you said, that you are what you are because, you know, you chose to be there. Um, that Asians really are good at math and that they can't see well and that, you know, all female drivers are bad or all, all black men in hoodies are thugs. And so whether or not that is um, directly what's being said through those jokes, it still has some sort of subconscious effect. Um, would you agree to that statement? Or I would. I would. I would. And you don't recognize, that, and, and I would probably, personally, would probably ask that. Is, it, 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 you would ask me the question of how that has been affected. Well, you don't realize how, what, even the, 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 the things that you do as a person um, in this race world, whether it be a joke or whatever, or even allowing a joke to have a past, you don't recognize it until you're in the middle of something that is 
harm you or your family or the people you care about, especially if it has to do with race. Mm. Right. Um, and so I think for me, but personally, how we come, how do we change? How do we change this mindset is for me, um, definitely getting more involved with, um, different perspectives of race. Like you said, it's very important to, to communicate, um, you know, without the emotion sometimes. And, um, and for me personally, it's also um, one way that we can be examples of, hey, you know, I'm not going to stand up for this, with, you know, and call it out on what it really is, is just racist, is, you know, not laughing or not partaking in in jokes that involve race. I think that is, um, it's just another thing to recognize um, our differences and kind of bring, you know, subconscious um thoughts that you know shouldn't be there um and so yeah change starts with us it starts with how we react in in everyday conversation um you know and getting involved and so um i just want to thank you so much ahmad for um willing to uh (laughs) painfully enduring my uh questions on this podcast but thank you so much for um for being here no, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I have so much respect for you, and uh, best of luck to you as you continue to do this, and uh, thank you for the invite. All right. Hey, good night, Ahmad. I know you had a, a, a long day at work, so get some sleep, bud. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. And that was the end of our interview with uh, Ahmad. Uh Tune in to more of the nonfiction podcast to get more insight on racism in America and black culture. Uh, thank you for listening. And this has been the nonfiction podcast with Noah Palafox. Thank you and good night.